Praise the Lord. How many are ready for a life-changing message that changes everybody's life? Me too. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. I was going over some things this week, and just um, the Lord just kept bringing me back to the same things. I don't know if you ever had that happen, but I'll, I'm just going to go ahead and I just surrendered to that. We're just going ahead and, and, and give this message this morning. I want to talk about the creative uh, creativity in the renewed mind. Amen. I've been kind of talking this month on the, on the renewed mind. What does it mean? What is it? What's what is that thing? What is we supposed to be doing with it? I want to expound on it. Give you some scripture this morning. I'm going to be going to several different scriptures, so. Uh, you can just jot it down if you want to keep notes. Um, but I, I want to read something first. Um, how many know that uh, I, I picked this up a couple of years ago. I heard another preacher mention it. It was a, a book um, um, by the name of Erwin um, uh, McManus, The Genius of Jesus, Erwin McManus. And it's interesting that basically, how many know, I, I've, I've taught on this before. It was a couple of years ago. But I want to give this in a different light this morning. I want to share some different scriptures. Let me give you some background uh, of what I, the uh, excerpt out of this book uh, that I've got this morning. And uh, uh, it, says, it says this, he said, uh, um, the, the author says it this way. He says, how is it possible that we begin our lives with a natural inclination to be creative and our lives with a natural inclination to conform? He says, we are born unique and original, but too many of us die tragically ordinary. He goes on to say this, he says, in, in their work, Breakpoint and Beyond, published in 1993, George Land and Beth uh, Jarman detailed their work with NASA, later with Head Start program, of course, Lighthouse Christian, we're familiar with that Head Start program, uh, with Head Start program. In 1968, uh, they had conducted a study uh, to test creativity and argumentatively the genius of 1,600 children, three uh, to five-year-olds, all of whom were enrolled in Head, Start, in Head Start. They retested the same children 10 years of age and again, uh, 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 again at 15, uh, um, and the results are telling, if not indictment, of our modern educational system. Here's what they found out. It goes on to say, he says, the, the proportion of people that scored at a genius level was amongst, uh, among the five-year-olds was 98%. Among the 10-year-olds, 30%. And among the 15-year-olds, 12%. Among the adults, 280,000 of them with the average age of 31, only 2% had the creative genius left in them. Amen? Hmm, interesting. What we have concluded, wrote Land, is that non-creative behavior is learned. Genius is an expression of essence or what you are. Jesus changes the category of genius from talent and intellect to essence and wisdom. This may be the principle, he goes on to say, this may be the principal reason uh, why we forget him when we talk about human genius. Isn't it amazing that, that the grace, and this is, this is the, the, the level that we deal with in Lighthouse Christian Academy, from, we deal with from two-year-olds to um, four or five to preschool, this two-year-old preschool. But basically, I, I notice as we watch our own kids and different things like that, and I, I challenged uh, and Jennifer, our director, and I said, what would happen if you just took 
a, a, a piece of paper, set the kids at a table, and sit a piece of paper in front of each kid with a, with a basket full of crayons or whatever. Don't give them any instruction. Just let them go and say, do whatever you want, just play. Just, just have fun with this thing. What would come out of that thing? I would dare say that each one of those children as an individual would come up with an individual idea. Maybe some would fold a piece of paper, make a hat, airplane, some of the boys, or, or, or they would draw something with a different color crayons, and they, they would have some kind of an artistic ability or creative genius within that would come out. In other words, it would be unique, totally innocent, not trying to be something or trying to cre create something, but just out of a natural uh, a play, they would be creative. This is what this study was talking about. I want to bring this into to a teaching this morning because I've been teaching on the renewed mind. But if you turn your Bibles this morning, the Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. This is a scripture everybody knows. This is real, I'm going to get to some familiar scriptures this morning, and then a couple that aren't so familiar. But anyway, Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen says this. Therefore, if, any, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Underline that word or just mark that word for a minute. New creation. All things have passed away, become, all things have become new. So let me get this straight. As we become born again, is that correct term you want to use? Uh, salvation, as we receive Christ, as we identify with Christ, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, then what happens within us, something changes, correct? If I read this right. We become a new creation. It says creation. Now, the word creation uh, in the original language means this, the act of creating. Not already created, the act of creating. So this new creation within us is being created and being created and, being and it's being changed all, all the while. So God has put within us, as we, like I said, yield to Christ, as we identify with Christ, Christ begins on the inside, become this new creation. But here's what I've noticed in church. Most people don't know what that is. What does it look like? What are we supposed to be? Uh, do we become automatically, do we become something else? Well, of course, if you, if you come out of a religious background like I had, first thing they'll bring up is sin, right? Well, basically, you stop sinning. How many found that to be true? <laughs> Don't go there, Pastor. <laughs> so where, where is this new creation and what is it supposed to be? And I want to get to that this morning. Amen? How many of you think they're interested in that topic there? Good, I'll say that for next week. Then. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, but the, the new creation, this is true. When we receive Christ, is exactly what it says. It says we become something new. Never before existed. Something that's brand new within us. Here's my, my take on the thing of 30-odd of years of, of ministry. This is what I see. People really don't know what to make of that. Most really don't know what to do with it. They try to explain it theologically, but it's not a theological answer. It's creative. It's actually within you right now. Amen? Are you here? All right, praise the Lord. Let me pick up verse 18 just because I'm there already. It says, now all things are of God who has reconciled, him, reconciled us to himself through Christ, for Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry. Now, wait a minute. This is the very next verse. He's saying he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Does anybody know what the ministry of reconciliation means? Huh? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm about to tell you. That's right, Gina, I'm about to tell you. The ministry of reconciliation, let me break it down in the original language again. The word reconciliation is an exchange or restoration to favor. So are you ready for this? So let me put the whole thing together. We're a new creation never before existed. As we're in the act of creating right now. God has, is a, how many know God is the creator? Maybe I should wipe that right off the slate right now. God is the creator. Uh, he, he spoke and his earth came into being. Everything is, is, was created by God. Amen. This is what, what, what the Bible says. This is what we I believe the Bible from cover to cover, from the index to the, uh, the table contents to the maps. <laughs> but I believe the whole thing. I believe it's the word of God, the inspired word of God. I believe it's for us today, all of it. Amen. All right, so, so the Word of God says He's our Creator. So basically, the Creator, when we yield to Christ, identify Christ, whatever language you want to use in that, when we've come to Christ, He created something different inside of us. Now, we look the same, we talk the same, we have the same genetic background makeup, but something's different. And that thing that something that is different created is what we spend a lifetime trying to search out. Well, all of a sudden, does that mean we stop sinning? Do we change our nature? Do we change this? Do we change that? Well, understand something. Christ went to the cross for our sin. He took it upon himself. He went to the whipping post for our healing. He took it upon himself. Those are prices that have been paid. Amen? So what is this new creation that never before existed that now dwells with inside of us? Very seldom is it preached on. We know about it. It's told to us, but what is it? And I want to get into that this morning, praise the Lord, because the Bible does have an answer. Let me first point you to Galatians chapter 6, because this is also one of Paul's writings. So Paul says this. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but the new creation. So in other words, he's saying whatever religion, religious uh, maneuver that you have done, circumcision now we know is of the covenant, or even uncircumcision, anybody uncircumcised in Abraham's time would be under, would be, have no covenant with God. Either way, whether you're, so he's saying it this way, if you're of the circumcision, either you're a Jew or a Gentile, it doesn't matter. It doesn't avail anything but only the new creation. So as a Jew, I can be a new creation. As a Gentile, I can be a new creation. But the only thing is that new creation. He uses the word again, creation. Did I use that word enough this morning? <laughs> I'm just getting started. But creation, something that is created. So that new creation was in you this morning. It became, you are, you are new. Here's the problem. It's that translation between our ears, that thing we call a brain, between our ears, translating what God's, what God means by the creation. What happens is, what I sh shared with that little study, is basically our creative ability has been, has been trained out of us. But here's, here's my take on this. What God is saying, he's saying, I am creator of the universe. He's saying, in other words, I've taken a part of what I am and made in you. Let me, let me clarify that, Okay. Basically, he's saying, he's, saying, he's, he's, he's saying, I'm the creator. When he went to Adam, how many know when he went to Adam, the Bible says in Genesis that he made man in his image and his likeness. Correct? Image, we would know, is the outside. In other words, I have 
two hands and ten fingers. I know God has two hands and ten fingers. That's image. I know he's got two feet. I don't know if size 13s or not, but he's got two feet. <laughs> Maybe a little bigger. But anyway, so basically he took himself and he fashioned you and I, and that's the image. But what about the likeness? God took a part of his personality, a part of who he is, and deposited it in his creation that he called human being or called man. Here's what happens in that creation. He goes to Adam. And he says, Adam, he says, uh, he says, okay, Adam, he says, uh, he says, out of the ground in, in Genesis chapter two, verse 19, out of the ground, uh, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air. He brought them to Adam. Now, what happens is Adam is standing there and all the birds and all the things, all, everything that God has created that you see on the planet today was brought to Adam, not for Adam's approval, not for Adam to eat, that was this because he was eating in the garden, so he wasn't. It wasn't food, but an assignment. God brought the animals to Adam as an assignment to give them names. Did you ever sit down with a biologist and find out how many different names there are for some of these critters? Now, my wife and I, we're, we're avid scuba divers. We love the ocean and we like to deep dive. I like to do, we like to do wreck dives, and I like to get down there. I like to get down there where people don't normally go. So I have, to, I have to dress a certain way so I can go where people aren't. Matter of fact, the atmosphere that we have, I wish I had one of these for the world. But anyway, we, we, I, have, I have a computer, a dive computer, that gives me my information so when I go to certain depths, I know how long I can stay for whatever, and, and so on and so forth, and it gives me my nitrogen load and all other kind of uh, stuff that I'm not going to bore you with this morning. But matter of fact, it's so important to me that I have two. I have a primary... Uh, dive computer, because we, we dive depths below 100 feet uh, many times. So I'll have two. I'll have one as a primary, and two as a secondary, because I don't want anything to mess up. Now, there are emergency procedures and stuff I can go through, but I don't want to do that. I, if, my, if my primary computer fails to give me the correct information or errors or blacks out or whatever, I have a backup that I can look and continue on with my dive and be, be safe. But there's, there's, for my body to be in a, in a realm or an element that it's not designed for, it can be deadly. But what Diane and I do is very safe. I've done it for over 30 years. Uh, we've done, and, and, and we enjoy that because we get to see things most people don't get to see unless you're under the water. Amen? So we, we enjoy ourselves there providing it's done within the parameters that are set for safe diving. And we don't, we don't do decompression diving. We're recreational divers, so we don't do decompression. So all the parameters that are set, we go through the schooling to learn all that stuff and know all what we're doing. And basically, we do, we've done it. Uh, I think Diane reached her thousands dive last December. I'm um, in 1,100 and some odd anyway, a, a different dives. So we've done this several times and come back. And there's nothing wrong with me. Wrong with me. Wrong with me. <laughs> Not just kidding. <laughs> but uh, we, well, we, anyway... So, so yeah, I wish we had some kind of a computer because the world and, and this influence that we have in the environment that we spend out there, uh, we would have a, a, a decompression limit. <laughs> so we could visit both worlds without any, without any detriment, without any health issues anyway, praise the Lord. But, it, but um, anyway, but, but what God is saying, he's saying, I created this man who has creativity, enough creativity 
to go ahead and name all the animals. God didn't tell them what their names were. He didn't name them beforehand and say, okay, I'm going to reveal this to you. No, no, it's not revealed. It's created by Adam. Adam created the names of the animals you see today. Amen. He created it. So basically, we see from the very beginning that this creativity uh, uh, likeness of God is now placed in the human being. Would you go, agree with that? Can we at least see it that far? Okay, so we know before sin, before the fall, we had this already ingrained in us as part of God's creation. That's what I want to bring up this morning because what happens in this survey that was taken, isn't it amazing that a child, even before they think, even think about God or think about Christ, even know about God, has this within them, has this creative ability to go ahead and create. It's natural. But what happens is we are somehow trained out of this. We somehow, if we don't go along with what this world society says we're going along with, we can even be labeled as stupid. We can be labeled as slow learners or whatever it is. Because what happens is we're all measured by the same measurement, the same rule uh, out in, in the world, and by the same school systems, the same uh, uh, grading uh, type of thing, it, it, it's all, uh, you know, it's same for everybody. But it doesn't take into account of the individualities that God has placed in every one of them by nature. Are we here? I'm going to get to the renewed mind in a minute because I believe it's locked in that renewed mind. And I believe that if we understand what Paul is saying in the book of Romans, we'll understand what he's talking about and how we can pull it out. So what, I, what we have done, we've changed Lighthouse. Well, we didn't change it. I mean, we, I knew this for years. We've taken Lighthouse Christian Academy. is more focused. Now, we do have structure in our classrooms because I believe that is also necessary. It goes along with the order that God has given us. So, so it's not a, a non-structure environment. But there is educational value within the play of a child because in the play of a child, they're not performing a certain task that is dictated to them but they're discovering by, and learning through discovery at their own pace and with their own, own, by their own creative means that God had planted in every child to begin with. Amen. Sound interesting? Praise, God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm interested in that because basically what we see in Lighthouse Christian Academy, and anybody can see and visit these kids, what you see is not just a bunch of noisy kids running around screaming and, and everything else. What you see, what we see is a bunch of created geniuses. Uh, this was a while ago when we, were, had, we, had, when we had toddlers in our center. We don't have toddlers today. We just have the, the two-year-old to preschool. But we had toddlers. And I watched these kids, and they, they wanted to get something up on the top shelf that was out of their reach, probably out of their reach on purpose. Anyway, I, I just sitting in the doorway, and I was watching. And these kids that were all from different families, all from different places in town, they all got together and they formed a little gang. And they coordinated their efforts. And what they managed to do, they managed to slide a table over against the wall so hard that we had to repair the wall when it got done with it. Okay, then one of them got down on his hands and knees, all fours, while another one climbed across his back well, another one reached up, and so they could finally get off the shelf what they wanted, they organized. This is talking, we're talking about toddlers here. This is not two-year-olds, this is not three, these are toddlers that had enough genius to figure out how to do something that was out of their reach. 
So what happens as we get older? <laughs> well, most of the time we're, we're, we're under the, 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 the instructions of guidance counselors, the school systems, and so on and so forth. Now, there is a time when you need conformity, especially in a military setting. Uh, it would be kind of chaotic if a military, well, I'm just going to use my creative ideas. No, that takes, a, that takes a coordinated effort. Sports is another one where you have rules, regulations, football, I have my grandson's football, soccer, the whole thing. But the, the fact is, is, is you can't do your own thing. But what happens is when we take that basis and say this is the basis for society, we actually, in a way, damper the creativity that is born in every individual. My take on it. Praise the Lord. Amen. We see with Noah. How many remember Noah's Ark? Um, Noah's a boat builder. Right? Didn't they have boats back then? No, didn't need them. So basically, God comes to an idea with Noah and says, No, I'm going to wipe out the planet except for you and your family and some animals I'm going to bring to your backyard. Uh, load them on an ark and save the life of everybody on this, uh, save the life of the ones on an ark. This ark has to be seaworthy enough. Oh, really? What's a sea? <laughs> What's an ark? <laughs> I mean, basically. So here's what I'm going to do, Noah. I'm going to give you the dimensions. You build me a boat. What's a boat? No, you build the boat with these dimensions. And Noah sat down, he took the dimensions, so many cubits in this way, and so many cubits width, and so many cubits high, and he built this boat. There's nothing in his repertoire, on his resume, that said he was an expert boat builder. So what about structure? What about the, where do you set the keel, the beam, all the other things that take, make up the, the skeleton of the boat that make this boat? Everything else except the dimensions Noah came up with. And where did he come up with that? Because of that creativity that God had placed in him. This is after the fall of Adam. So don't say, well, it's all one way with sin. No, this was after the fall. Matter of fact, God's going to wipe out the planet. So he's really serious. And this thing is going to save the life of Noah and his entire family. Think about that when you're building. This is going to be the structure that saves our life. God said this is going to save our life. We better do it right. We, better, we don't get a chance to test drive this thing. Like the old saying, it says that professionals built the Titanic when an amateur built the ark. <laughs> Which would you rather write on? <laughs> but the fact is, professionals built both of them, but they didn't realize Noah was a professional, but it was a creativity that was in him. And this is something I believe that becomes a threat to the enemy, is when the creativity of God is expressed within the church, and I'll get into this in a minute, I won't get ahead of myself. Are we here this morning? Yeah. I'm going to give you one more example, so you just have so you have another example. I'm going to remember King Solomon. King Solomon basically was a kid growing up, and David had a heart for the temple and everything else, but God says, no, I, want, I, got, I got other plans for you, David. I want Solomon to build this temple. And uh, you're going to... So David had collected for years. He collected all the materials. But it turned out that Solomon, so Solomon inherited this building plan called the, called the temple. It was in plan for years, okay? So finally, Solomon gets to build this temple again. God gives him the symbolism of the different things and the artifacts, and of course, the furniture. He gives him the symbolism because it has to match up with prophecy, but that's it. 
It was up to Solomon to get the craftsmen to build this thing. Amen? Amen? Yes. So it was Solomon and the craftsmen to put this thing together. And it was so impressive. The Queen of Sheba, okay, uh, you look this up in 1 Kings chapter 10, but the Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon and she was so impressed with all her wealth and all her power that she had. When she came to Solomon, she said, surely there is a God in Israel. She didn't hear about the preaching. She didn't go about, she looked at the structure and the, uh, he had, he had, wood that, that, was, that was specially uh, formulated just for the steps. He had a staircase going from his palace, which was magnificent, right to the house of the Lord. It was a pathway and a corridor to go right to the house of the Lord. He made sure that his own household was connected to the house of the Lord. He, it was so important to this that he got the craftsmen together. Amen? And he got the people together that could put these things together. Solomon had uh, when I was in Israel, uh, up in Megiddo, there was a place in Megiddo, there were ruins that used to call it Solomon's stables. Solomon had, this is in the northern part of, of Israel, and he had, they had, he had stables, he had chariots, he had, he had everything. And, it, and the Queen of Sheba was so impressed at his building and, and his wisdom that she said, surely only God can put this together. So a creativity came out of Solomon to put this stuff together that, she, that was recognizable that only God could do this. So there is a creativity within us that God wants to pull out of us to make things better around us. Not just for our own selves, but for all selves. This is the thing I believe he's talking to the church today to do. But we're too busy being locked in to a, a, a system or whatever, or locked into our thinking where, well, I don't know, that's just not me. How do you know you? Because you are supposed to be a new creation that never before existed, but you can't explain to me what that is. So how do you know who you are? I hear this all the time. Well, that's just not me. How do you know who you are? Hmm. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, let me, let me go on before I get myself in trouble. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. How would you like to know? Listen to this. This is, this is the first recognition in the Bible. Uh, this is the first man in the Bible mentioned, the very first one who was filled with the Holy Spirit. And no, it wasn't David. Before, way before David. There's a man mentioned in the Bible, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. If you get your Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 31, all in the book of Exodus. And it says this, then the Lord spoke to Moses, this goes all the way back to Moses' time, saying, see I have called by name Beziel. Beziel, the son of Ur. He said the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. Now he boiled it down even what tribe he came from. Came from the tribe of Judah. Okay. He said, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, capital S, Spirit of God. In wisdom, are you ready for this? You, 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 <laughs> are you ready for this? The Spirit of God came upon this man, Beziel, with wisdom, okay, you got that? In understanding, in knowledge, and listen to this. Are you ready for this? In all manner of workmanship. What is all manner of workmanship? Creativity. Yes, 
<laughs> all manners of it, whether it's working with wood, working with metal, stone, uh, whatever, all manner of workmanship. In other words, the Holy Spirit came on this guy, and all of a sudden what opened up to him was abilities that he wasn't born with. So when God gives us a new creation, we are, have access to abilities that we weren't born with. They weren't passed down from generation to generation. They were passed down straight from God into our spirit, and that's who we are. So we're still discovering who we are, aren't we? I'm 71 years old. I'm still discovering. Don't tell me I'm 71. I scuba dive with people that are in their 20s. <laughs> Old man. I listen to some of them get up, come up over that, complain another current was too rough and everything was too rough. I said, oh, come on, get off it. I said, this is a grandma dive. There's grandma, she just dove it. <laughs> they don't like that. Praise the Lord. But anyway, they love me in their hearts. I know they do. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let me take it one step further, and I want to go back to, to, to um, Romans in the book of Hebrews. But let me show you one second for Zechariah 1. You've got to kind of dig this out. This is kind of buried in here, but I want to, let me show you. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 18. He says, Zechariah says this. He says, then I raised my eyes and look, and there were four horns. Just stay with me with the symbolism. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these? And he answered me. These are the horns that have scattered Judea, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. And I said, what are these coming to do? And he, the angel, and he said, these are the, ho these are the horns that scattered Judah. And, 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 and so no one could lift up his head. But the craftsmen came, are coming to terrify them. To the, 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 the Bible language here, so that nobody could lift up their head. In other words, they were beaten down. They were, they were defeated. They had no way of lifting up their heads. They were, there was no joy. There was no anything in there. He said, but these are the four craftsmen that come to terrify the four horns. Now, let's get down to the, to the symbolism here. A horn is an authority or a power, whether God-given or demonic. Uh, there was four horns on the altar we know is God's power. Okay, but the fact is horns, these that scattered Judah, uh, Israel, and, and, and Jerusalem, these horns were demonic powers. So the four horns, so why four? Okay, four is, always talks about a global effort because uh, of the four points of the compass, uh, uh, north, south, east, and west, that's the four horns. So what is he going to do? He comes up, so, so again, he says, I'm coming up with four craftsmen. He said, what are these craftsmen? What's the four craftsmen going to do? He said, going to terrorize the enemy. Amen. Now, the God fights warfare differently than we do. I mentioned about uh, Jehoshaphat and how he sent out the praisers to win battles. And, and the, the, he, just, he just, they got the prophet one time. The Syrians got the prophet one time. And, 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 and Elijah calls down a, a blindness upon them, leads them into the uh, camp of Israel. They open up their eyes and they see that they're surrounded by the ones that are people that are trying to kill so instead of, he, he, so the, the king asks, well, should we kill him? He says, no. He says, don't kill him. He says, feed him. That's how, how God deals with things. And send them back home. He said, then they won't attack Israel. <laughs> That's how God fights warfare. He fights differently than we do. But so, so anyway, so, so he, here he says, he's the four craftsmen. So what's this word craftsman? The word craftsman means these creative people that use creation, use creative abilities to terrorize the enemy. 
obviously or evidently, now if we're talking in spiritual terms, not these four, four enemies that were physical for Israel, if we're talking in spiritual terms, I guess the enemy really gets out of sorts or terrified when the church will rise up or the people of God will rise up and be creative. Yes, When they take the inspired word of God, drop it in their hearts, and begin to carry this out, Amen, I guess they get they get they get terrified. Uh, short, short story: uh, what the building you're sitting in right now, I designed this building, and not the outside of it. It was an old warehouse, and I designed the inside of it, petitions and so on and so forth. How to be built according to code? How to be built fire code, which I really didn't have any fore for knowledge of that. And what I did, I got a, a, a forty-nine dollar. Uh, um, computer program, and I began to put the walls. Now, this is before I knew anything about, I knew nothing about daycares, and was uncertain of what we had to have for church. I knew, I, as far as the law, we had to have 35 square foot per child. Most daycares in town only had about 16. The reason for that is they were grandfathered in an old code, but we were under the new code, so we had 35 square foot. So I had to calculate all the square footage to make sure the building was big enough, and sure it was big enough. But then I started sitting down and, and making the wall, putting the walls in. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not an architect. Now, I am familiar with construction. I, you know, fifth generation construction. I know, I, I know construction, but I was, I was an electrician. That was my trade, not, a, not a, a, an architect. So I'm, I drew it up, printed this out, and, and the, the architect was saying, I need your drawings. I need to say what kind of, so I can go ahead and set up the, make the blueprints so we can put it into the county, get the approval, get all the permits and all this other stuff. So I says, okay, here it is. I gave it to him. You did this? Yeah. Looks pretty good. Matter of fact, it looks perfect, except one thing. He says, you only got two handicapped bathrooms. He said, my recommendation is change the dimensions here. Give me six, yeah, six bathrooms all total. He says, go ahead and make them all handicapped. He said, then there's no question that you'll have enough qualifications. That's all he did was change the bathroom walls, made each bathroom big enough for a handicapped bathroom, including one off my office. This sounds good. Now, here you go. Creativity. And I knew nothing what I was doing. <laughs> All I did was God says, start a daycare. You want to see the hubbub and the hullabaloo that went on when we decided we named it Lighthouse Christian Academy. I had to name it before you had the building. And, and I said, in Covenant Word Church, Lighthouse Christian Academy, this is what we're going to do. You want to hear the screaming of the demons that were in people around here. Because what was, this, what was here around us before, this was a drug neighborhood. There were drug deals going out the back door. This is the last place Stock Island ever wanted a daycare center with a church in it besides. Because we upset, it, upset the entire community. Are you here? Didn't know what I was doing. I had a guy down to the, the, the electrical supply house that was prophesying to me every time he saw me, he said, it's going to fail, it's going to fail, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, you can't build that here in Stock Island, you can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. That's all I heard. So I knew that God had given me the craftsmanship to put something together that made the enemy scream. And let me tell you something, when we first opened the doors, it looked like that guy was prophesying. It looked like a failure, but it wasn't. Amen. God says, trust me, trust me. He said, what is in you? I pulled out of you to create what you see around you. Amen. He says, it'll work. And it has been here for 23 years. It's been working, 24, well, 24 years. 
this end of September, be 24 years, Amen. has been working just fine as a church and a daycare. What happened to the drug neighborhood? It cleaned up. Yes, sir. <laughs> Some other investors bought this other piece of property here, and they put housing for workforce housing. Everything that we want to do. What was Lighthouse Christian Academy originally formed by? For the restoration of families. That's what the ministry is about. Restoration of families. All families. No matter how, who can afford it, who can afford it. So we had to get state, we got state funding uh, to help fund the people who couldn't afford uh, our tuitions and stuff. So we got, the, got assistance for them. Still have it today. Jennifer can hook them up and get it. So anybody at any, any income level can bring their little genius child in here. That little genius that creates things and, and, and watch, him, watch him go to work because God will pull the creativity out of them. It's just too bad we're sad after they reach five years old we turn them over to the public school system to where that creativity will be destroyed in a few years. But praise the Lord. We, we did our part. We did what God called us to do. Are you here? I, I got I to gotta get some more stuff here. All right, so I get one of the number four. Another theory is these the four nations. North would be the Assyrians, the Babylonians. The east would be the Moabites. I'm just giving this for information. Or the Amorites. South would be the Egyptians, and of course the West would be the Philistines. So they did have enemies in all four corners that we're talking about. Uh, but let me get back to what I was sharing here. Now, if you will, just follow me to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. This is what I've been talking about this month, and this is where I want to pick this up, because this is a key to a lot of different things. Listen to this, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be, I'm reading out of New King James. It said, do not be conformed. The word conform means to fashion accordance with, to conform, to assimilate oneself to. That's out of the Mount's uh, um, Bible commentary definition. Okay? Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind is the intellect, the divine uh, or human in thought, feeling, will, understanding. Again, the Mount's Mount's uh, commentary. Are you here? Do not be conformed or fashioned about this world. Be transformed. Now, with the, with the basis that we've given you so far, can you see where this transformation process of the new creation, this transformation process has a creativity to it? There's something about the creativeness of this, of, of this, uh, 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 this transformation. So what Paul is saying here, he's saying, don't be conformed to this society. He's a good one to talk because he was exactly conformed to it. Yes, sir. Remember when he was Saul and he was persecuting the church? Yes. He was conformed. He, he conformed to the Sanhedrin. He conformed to the Pharisees. His father was a Pharisee. He conformed to the modern day religion of his day that wanted to wipe out Christianity. He conformed to that. Now he's saying, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Something happened to this man. Amen. And now all of a sudden, this man who was coming against the church, remember I shared with you last week about taking thoughts captive yes. until they can work for you? Yes. Everyone that comes against the knowledge of the beings of Christ until it works for you, take a captive, this will happen to Paul. He was taken captive by Christ. And then the same zeal he had against the church, now he has a zeal for the church. Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, by the way. And half of those books that he wrote were in, when he was, while he was in prison. So even prison wouldn't, wouldn't change, wouldn't get this. Talk about creativity. Man. Two-thirds of the New Testament we wrote were written by this man. 
who was an enemy against the church, who was who did not, he was conformed to this world, but then he got transformed by the renewing of his mind. His mind was renewed, his thought process, to prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. One will, not three. One will, three attributes to the same will. Amen. But to prove what is the will of God. The proof of the will of God for your life is not found in your brilliant deductions of the intellectual mind. <laughs> you look at it, you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Let me say this. Paul said, be not conformed as I be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The creativity that God has placed in us, that the world is purging out of us from the time we're small children on up to adulthood as being purged out of us, is being a mind change. He's saying that renewed mind, in other words, the renewed mind is where the creativity seed, I'll, I'll use seed, a uh, better, better thing than that, but for right now, just seed that God has placed in you as part of his likeness, as part of his, who he is. God took that piece of creativity that's in him and he placed it right in you. That's the new creation. So what happens to let that new creation come out, we have to get rid of our insecurities those insecurities are fears. Those fears have been placed in by the lies of the enemy saying you can't. When God is saying, yes, you can. And we said, I don't know what to do. I think I can, but then I don't know if I can. I've never done this before. And we try to, we try to go back on our past to try to determine the future. You can't do that. Because the creativity in mind, what happens will create an entirely different life for you. I was once had a life when Diane and I got married. I mean, I was 19, she was 18, we're just kids, we're having kids, and I, was, I had two, three jobs, whatever it took to uh, support the family. She was a stay-at-home mom with our kids. I don't have that life anymore because what happens is God transformed my life. I realized I didn't have to struggle the way I was struggling if I had just known God. But when somebody witnessed to me and I got that new creation, now all of a sudden I'm not struggling. I still, saw, still work, but I, I didn't have the struggle. I didn't worry and fret that my kids weren't going to have enough to eat or my wife wasn't going to be able to take care of, be taken care of. The food on the house, roof over the head, all the other things that they worry about. I hear people all the time say about Key West, well, it's the, it's the housing, it's expensive, it's expensive to live here. And it is. But when God calls you something, what happens, you are telling everybody you have no creativity within you whatsoever. Somebody's living here, and somebody's making a living here. Amen. Somebody's buying these $5 million homes that they're staying in maybe six months out of the year. My neighborhood looks like a ghost town when summertime hits. Are you here? Somebody's doing it. How come not you? Unless you've been convinced somehow... As a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, you've been convinced somehow, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Can't or won't. Can't or you just don't want to fight for it. Which brings me to Hebrews chapter 10. Praise the Lord. I got got three minutes and two seconds. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm kind of jumping around my notes for sake of time this morning. I got a lot more in here than I could preach out in one setting. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. This is a famous preacher's uh, scripture. Every preacher from Assembly of God to Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterians, they all love this scripture because here's what it says. 
It says, let us consider one another in order to stir, stir up love. The word love means generosity, by the way. It's agape, so it's a generosity love in the Greek. Love and good works. Not forsaking, here's the, here's the part. Are you ready for this? Not forsaking the assembling together of yourselves in the matter of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day, capital D, approaching. Yep, we got to come to church more. We got to get here more. Why? 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 Come in here, sing hallelujahs. Nothing wrong with it. It's good. We do it here this morning. Why? Come here, listen to some guy like bald headed preacher like me preach at you? Stuff that you may even already know. Why? Why? Don't have anything better to do on Sunday morning than go to church? Now, come on, I'm kind of turning this around a little bit. Why? Why is it so important? Well, because the scripture says so. It does say so. And that's a good reason to obey the scripture until you find out why. Obedience is still good, still better than sacrifice. Amen? <laughs> All right. But what does it mean? Can I share it from a different angle of what this is importance? He says this. He says, not forsaking the assembling together of yourselves as you see the day approaching. He specifically mentions as you see the day approaching. Let me put this in perspective. Let's take today. Look at our society. Look at our country. Look at the 5 o'clock news if you want to. Nauseating, but look at it if you want to. But the fact is, we live in a terrible time as far as the world is concerned. On the other hand, we're hearing about revivals all places all around the country for the church. So what is he saying? More so, this is, in other words, he's emphasizing this is more important, the coming together, more important as you see the day approaching. Why? Because you need something? See, we're used to coming to church because we need something. Oh, pastor, just, I need prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, we love prayer. And we'll see the miracles. But we're so used, that's the only time we come that we fail to fight for the coming together because the scripture should cause within us a warfare, a fight to get there. Why? Because when we come together, we know the enemy is disturbed. Because when we come together, God releases the four craftsmen. And when the four craftsmen get together, now we can come together and uplift each other. Now we can come together. And here's where God wants to pour out his eye. Why does he want them assembled in a church? Matter of fact, in the early church, they were sitting ducks. All the old Paul, Saul had to do was find a gathering and all the hope, the hallelujah, and to kill them all. Same in communist countries today. Why not? No, God isn't looking at that. He's saying, he said, come together because with all, if we can get back what God has given us, all the creativeness, the creativity will come back and birth in the church will come out ideas that will change that world. Who reduced Christianity to just bless me or us four no more? Who reduced it to that? It wasn't God. He said, I've given you the world. What are we doing with it? This is what I see. Now, just bear with my enthusiasm a little bit because I saw <laughs> I just saw this the other day and I got excited right down to my argyles. <clears throat> I mean, it was, it's, this was something else. I saw this. Consider one another. Consider one another. In other words, 
You and you and you and you and you have a creative part of you, 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 and you, and you that can be used. And the ideas and the plans and the strategies can come out of the church. God is not going to deposit it into the world. That's already evil. That's already doing what it's doing. He's not going to give the devil his plans. And they don't work together, by the way. Forget that doctrine. That's, that's bad doctrine. That's what that is at best. Praise the Lord. No, God wants to get what he's done with the disciples, what he's done with the He wants to get them together. And then he wants to pour out his spirit in such a way that the creativity now is drawn out of you and the ideas come so we can change this world. Or why are we still here? I keep asking that question. Why are we still here? Why not just get born again, become new creation, and just drift on out of here? Let's go to heaven. Why chance it? Any one of you could backslide. Why chance it? He's not chancing anything. He's saying, no, rise up. God wants to change the world, but he wants to co-labor through his people. Adam, what's the animals' names? God can name the animals. He didn't need Adam to name the animals, but he gave Adam a part in this. He says, you be the God of this world, and I'll be the God of heaven and this world. He said, together, we'll take this world. You know what God was saying to Adam? He said, together we'll work together. Creation, working with creation. And the creativity being pulled out that only he could get from God. The animals don't have it. Okay? You don't involve it to these things. This is something that is a gift of God, given by God. How many have ever ever had an experience with Jesus and all of a sudden there was an awakening within your spirit? What do we call awakening? What is that anyway? All of a sudden you see yourself in a different light. You have to see yourself in a different light to tap into the, to, to this uh, renewed mind that has the creativity that God is pulling forth. Amen? Amen. So we buck our school system. You know, it's amazing. When I went to school, I, I, I had a guidance counselor that told me, she says, you know what? She says, you're not very, we got your SAT scores because I hated tests and basically I hated school and, and I just filled in, I used to make pictures with the dots and I just, and just fell so that wasn't a real test of my intelligence. I was told that I wasn't very intelligent. And I grew up my, most of my life thinking I was not very intelligent. Best thing you could, the guidance counselor told me. Matter of fact, it was a guidance counselor my mom had for a school teacher. So he knew the family, okay? But she said, the best thing you could hope for is maybe working with the tools, working with your hands. Back in the 60s, anybody who worked with their hands was a dummy. The only smart people were college graduates. It's <laughs> kind of funny. I came out and I went into the apprenticeship program in a union, union electrician, and I was for four years. I did my apprenticeship program, and I was making more money than those college graduates were on my first year apprentice, and all my salary did was go up each year. Amen? Amen. But I was told that you know, it's only for dumb people. Amen. So do you want to follow a school system like that? Being taught that, or do you want to break free from that? Say, no, God has given me creative genius. I am a creative genius right now. I'm in the 98%. I know I am. I'm claiming it. I don't care. I'm claiming it. <laughs> I, used to, I mean, I used to build four. I used to build all kinds of stuff when I was a kid. Nobody told me I couldn't, so I just did. When they told me I couldn't, or that was stupid, how many of oh, that's stupid. Is it really, or is it really genius? Because some of the people I used to hang around with wouldn't know the difference between stupidity and real genius. Because you see that little thing you call a cell phone? I heard about 
something like that. Well, you know, Dick Tracy had the watch with it. With, oh, how many have an Apple watch, by the way? Oh, yeah, Dick Tracy had one of them back in the 60s. Oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, that's stupid. That's just stupid. How many people said that was stupid? Now, half the population's wearing them. And it does more than Dick Tracy's day. Oh, he had, it was a communicator. We got a communicator. We tell you what weather is. We tell you what pulses. You can tell you, 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 you praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. I may got something out of the message this morning. <laughs> if nothing else, thank you for letting me preach it. Last scripture, promise. John chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus says this. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. To live free means to live unencumbered, free from sin, of course, but many people are free from sin but have no freedom to think creatively. He said, if you're free, you're free indeed. You're free to think. Amen. Wow. I got more, but we got to stop. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. This is also Fellowship Sunday, so we got food waiting for us and everything else. Praise the Lord. How many are hungry? Not until I just mentioned it, right? <laughs> the food next door, everybody's invited out, so I'm going to close out with prayer, close out the live stream prayer, and then we'll, I'll pray over the food, and, and we can uh, fellowship. Praise the Lord. Because this, too, is what we need to... But church isn't separate because of divisions. It's not about doctrine anymore. It used to be when I was younger, you had different doctrines and stuff like that. Not so much anymore. Uh, some of these young kids don't even know what doctrine is. But what it's about, it's about a lack of fighting for what God says is important. Amen. Amen? Amen. So I pray everybody, let's, let's pick up the battle. Let's bring our creative ideas to church. This church is open to them. Always has been. The creativity and different things. Amen? Amen. And, 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 and let's bounce it off of one another and build in strength and threaten out there. Amen. Be a threat to Amen. Satan's kingdom. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We give you praise. We thank you. And we help. We thank you, Father God, that this message was a blessing that you dumped on everybody this morning. And Father, we just thank you for it. Help us to pull out that creativity so we can live different. That we can live different. I didn't say you live bad, but we all need to live different. You can have the best life. You all need to live different because a life without Christ or a life without his creativity is not much of a life. When it all comes down... Most old people that I talk to, I'm talking about the age where they're getting ready to check out. The biggest thing on their mind is regret. Why didn't I do this when I was younger? Why didn't I do that when I was younger? How come we wake up when we're older? I don't know. So my goal in my life and my wife is to live without any regrets. Amen. Just pull out the stops and live life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody agree that? Say amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.